Hey everyone, it's Marquita Harris, Work and Money Editor for Essence, and welcome to Unbossed, a podcast for entrepreneurs, self-starters, and women who are about their business. Now, thanks to systemic racism and gender bias, Black women in the U.S. are often overworked and underpaid. Working harder and leaning in simply isn't enough for us to earn the paychecks that we deserve. That's why I'm elated about this week's guest, Minda Hartz. As some of you might know, Minda is the author of the best-selling book, The Memo, What Women of Color Need to Know to Secure a Seat at the Table. Minda also confidently refers to herself as a career revolutionary, and you better believe I love that. This woman wears many, many hats. And in addition to being an author, she's a business owner, a public speaker, a fellow podcast host with her show, Secure the Seat, and so much more. She's experienced it all from microaggressions to imposter syndrome. And these experiences have all molded her into the boss that she is today. It's also equipped her with the wisdom to create a career guide for women like us. Minda wants every Black woman to know that not only are we in demand, but we don't have to take what we're given. Okay, let's get into it. Hi, Minda. How are you? Hey, Marquita. How are you? I'm doing good. Happy to be here. Good. I'm happy to have you. Um, as we were mentioning offline, this is our second time kind of speaking with one another. So I am so excited. Um, the last time I met with you, it was before your book launch. There was no pandemic. <laughs> it was a different time. <laughs> so I'm excited to get into all of the amazing work that you've been doing, um, even pre-book. Um, so to start, I like to ask every guest that comes onto the show, this very basic question, but tell me about your very first job, the first paycheck you ever got, the very, very, very first one. Oh, wow. I, now, see, Marquita, you're actually going to have me dating myself when I tell you what my first job was. Oh, oh. <laughs> uh, I actually was throwing phone books, yellow pages. You might have to, for those who don't know what those are, you might want to Google it, but these archaic books before like Google that um, I would get, I was maybe around like 12 years old. And mm -hmm. I, I had a little route and I lugged those and, you know, I'm a petite girl. So I'd love those <laughs> things and drop them on people's doors. Oh but God. yeah, those checks were good though for a 12 year old. Wow. Do you mind me asking how much are you making at 12? I probably was getting like maybe a hundred dollars a week okay. that's a lot of money. Then. <laughs> okay. I was going to say that's, I mean, I don't know. To be making that much money, you know, when you're 12 and also doing hard labor, essentially, because, you know, phone books are very heavy. <laughs> I think that speaks a lot about just how determined you were. Um, so can you kind of tell me um, what kind of a kid were you growing up? And if I'm not mistaken, you were from California, but also raised in Chicago, right? Yes, yes. Okay. Um, okay. So, yeah, you know, it's funny, like I was talking to my mom recently and I'm like, are you surprised with you know, some of the things that I've ended up doing. And she's like, no, because you've always been resilient. You know, like when I remember one time when I, I, I grew up in a very low income family and I wanted to learn how to ride horses and I, you know, my family didn't have it. And I knew that, but I was like, you know what? I think I can still get, get this done somehow. And long story short, those phone books that I had, I, I, I started going through the yellow pages and I found like all the stables that I thought were close to, to me. Wow. And I called all of those stables and said, you know, Hey, I would love to learn how to ride horses in exchange for helping you clean up and take care of the horses. And I probably called over 50 stables and 
everyone said no, except for one. And so that's mm. the kind of kid I was, you know, I never let no stop me. Wow. That's pretty, that's pretty amazing. And I, I love it. I love that story. Um, so can you, for those who don't know, you do, you have a podcast, you're a, you're a teacher, you're a motivational speaker, you do many, many things, but can you kind of break down what is it that you do for those out there unaware? Yes. Uh, in, in my mind, I like to consider myself like this career revolutionary. You know, mm-hmm. I, uh, <laughs> to um, starting my company, The Memo, that came first. And I really just saw a gap for career development. You know, not to be confused, I'm not a career coach. Mm-hmm. I wanted to make sure that we were talking about the career topics that affect Black women in particular. And so that's what really prompted me to just start writing. I started with a blog, okay. a, a weekly blog on Monday, just writing about my experiences back in 2015. And then from there, I just built on the body of work and then a podcast and then yeah. I had the opportunity to write the book and then, you know, speaking in between all of those things. So for me, my goal is just to create that equity for Black women in the workplace. And so I do wear a variety of hats because we're multidimensional, right? And so yeah. um, I really en- enjoy the work that I do. Minda, you have you have a large following and a lot of people, they're so inspired by the work that you do. Um, I am, I'm one of them. And um, I guess what I want to know is, was there ever a moment where you realized that you were onto something, you know, when you were writing that blog, when you were doing that work before anyone noticed, before you had a following and before you had supporters, what was that like? Yeah, it was hard, Marguerite. I'll tell you, there were times where I was like, you know, is first of all, is anybody reading these or am I just reading, you know, writing them for myself? But even in that, I realized it was therapeutic just to tell my story. You know, if you were going through some microaggressions that day, just to write it down. And so for me, I still had my day job at the time when I started my company, but I realized that I just needed to be talking about um, black women in the workplace and our different experiences, because around that time, it was this really heavy push for women in the workplace, yeah. but oftentimes I didn't feel like they were talking to me, right? Not this man. Yes. <laughs> I, mean, I remember that period. I remember. And it was all like, you know, it's women's empowerment and all yeah. these things, but I'm like, I don't see my face, my skin anywhere. <laughs> I don't see me. Exactly. Yeah. So when I started talking about, well, what about women of color in the workplace? I did get a lot of pushback from, you know, at that time you had like Le- Levo League. I don't know if people remember that, you know, like those were like the heavy movers in in that space for women's empowerment and folks were like well uh why are you talking about that you're you're creating a space that we don't need to be talking about intersectionality and I thought well no that's not true because this is my lived experience right and so I just kept leaning into knowing what it felt like to be isolated and eventually as I kept just being consistent really you know people ask what is it that thing the consistency right I still even to this day I still write that Monday memo on Mondays, you know, even now. Yeah. Uh, There were times I wanted to stop. There were even times when I was offered money to stop to, to, for my company to be bought out if I stopped talking about women of color and just focused on women. And so I bootstrapped um, and, you know, it was tough. And it wasn't really until maybe a year before my book came out that a shift happened. So really, I just leaned into the fact that I knew at some point more women would start to find it. And we be able to build in community and have these conversations. And eventually it, it did. Yeah, it definitely, it definitely did. Good for you. Um, and I mean, kudos to you too, for recognizing how crucial it was to cater and speak to black women, women of color, and not, you know, and not just make it an overarching, you know, blanketed kind of a 
theme. Um, was there ever a time in this whole period where when you started kind of working more for yourself, where you started to kind of hesitate, like, do I want to, is this real? Do I want to do this? Or did you ever think maybe I should stay in this cushy job? <laughs> oh, heck yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, when you have that real good insurance and you have that, <laughs> yes. right when it's supposed to, you only got to work 30 days, 60 days, 90 days. <laughs> I like this. Um, but, you know, really, I, I thought about our ancestors and they leaned into their courage and they pushed aside their caution and they left. Um, jewels and we are beneficiaries of their courage. And I started to think about, you know, what is my legacy going to be to the workplace of black women and women of color? And so that's, mm. the thing, that's the thing that still keeps me pushing, right? Because how do I make the workplace better than I found it? If one person is inspired, then another one, then another one. And we create yeah. this collective movement. And I definitely, there's even times when I started the podcast or wrote the book and I said, well, you know, maybe there's another black woman who has way more experience than me. They have probably better answers than I'm giving, you know? So <laughs> I realized this, one of my favorite quotes by Audre Lorde, she says, beware of feeling like you're not good enough to deserve it. That's, that's a wonderful quote. And yeah. also a, a necessary. You know, like yeah. somebody has to hear what you have to say and nobody can say it in the way that you can, Minda. And so, you know, and, and that's what kept going. Like somebody needed to hear it in the more, you know, I was vulnerable because let me tell you, in, in the corporate world, I wasn't as vocal initially. And I, I didn't wake up like this, like Beyonce, but I just kept <laughs> myself. <laughs> so can we talk about money a little bit? I think um, I think in this in this period that we're in 2020 and, you know, can you tell me about the first time that you asked for more? Because I know that happens, you know, we are in those situations and you've, you know, you've written a book that encourages us, you know, it encourages us to ask for more. And what was it like when you first realized that you had to do that? It's, it's, it's still scary, right? Yeah. I still sometimes shake uh, at the nerve of like, Minda, really do you have the audacity to ask for that? But I, what I found is that uh, again, beware of feeling like you're not good enough to deserve it. We've done so many things. We've, uh, have the you know the degrees the certificates we've worked so why shouldn't we have top dollar and to your point black women make 62 cents on a dollar yeah. and we would have to work next year this time just to catch up to, to white men who made uh, uh, their money a previous year so we have to work almost an additional year just to catch up with someone else and so yeah. I don't like that I'm not a fan of it. And so every time that I'm able to, I ask for more because that's the part of the equation that we can solve. And my first job, uh, my first corporate job, that's when I leaned into it. I didn't know it was called negotiation. Then I just knew that I had these bills. I had this apartment in Chicago and, and I can't live off of just what, what that, that range was. So I asked for more, not really knowing, you know, the tools and the resources. But once I realized, oh, there's a range for a reason, you know, then I, I continue to continuously push into that. Yeah. Did you um, seek out any advice or like from anyone else or were you kind of doing this navigating it solo? At that time, I was navigating it solo because, uh, you know, first generation college student, first person in my family to go into corporate America. You know, I, at that time I was making, I was potentially going to make more money than both my parents combined. Okay. You know, so it, even just the dollar figure alone, I realized, oh, uh, this is a lot, but it's still not enough. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. so I, uh, again, and then over time I was able to tap into mentors and, and sponsors who helped me finesse things a little bit more, but 
you definitely, you know, nobody's going to pat you on the shoulder and be like, Minda, don't you want to get more money? No, you get more money. <laughs> good point. Very good point. Do you mind me asking at the time, how much were you making and how much did you end up making after you asked? Yeah. Um, so it was $28,000, uh, you know, new, newly in college or out of college. It's, you know, a lot depending on where, where you live. And mm -hmm. I ended up uh, getting $30,000. I had to ask, obviously, I want to know as an interviewer, but personally, I too was uh, newly out of college in Chicago and looking for a job and 28 grand was my starting salary. And I remembered how hard, how happy I was to just make that for like a month or two. And then, <laughs> and then it was like, you know what, actually, okay, next job, we got to rethink how we go into this. And, you know, you live and you learn and sometimes the lessons are hard. <laughs> so I, what I want to know is this, I think so many of us have, you know, experienced and gone through the whole lean in era of things. And um, as we all know, black, as black women, we can't just lean in it. We need a little bit more. We can't just lean in and work harder as so many, you know, people and guides and motivational speakers will kind of say that don't necessarily speak to black women. Um, so what advice do you have for black women out there who really know that they, they need to get further, they need, they, they deserve more money um, and more opportunity? Yeah, I'm glad you asked that question, because it was really the main reason why I wrote the memo is because I was just tired of can I say white men and women telling us what we're supposed to do with our career? <laughs> and, and we've been doing all the things that they tell us to do. And so for me, it's like, you know, I see you, sis. I understand how hard you've been working. And, and my goal is to provide us resources or, you know, ways to consider things so that we don't lean out because we've worked too hard to lean out um, if that's not what you want. So the one thing that I would say is um, find the table that's right for you. Or build the table because I think sometimes we don't adhere to these expiration dates and we keep pushing in a place that never see, will see us, yeah. not going to give us the money that we deserve and all the things. And I think at some point, like for me, I stayed in one firm for 10 years, hoping and praying that these people were going to change. And I realized, you know what, Mindy, you got options too, right? And sometimes we've been conditioned to think as Black women that we got to make everything work. And so mm -hmm. I'm here to say, you know your worth. It, you know, we've been in these situations and they may have maybe um, kind of messed with our mind a bit, you know, but just here to remind you to have this conversation that find the table that's right for you or create your own because we're in demand right now. And so we don't have to sit around and tolerate just anything anymore. <laughs> so, yeah. Amen to that. So just lean into that. And that's what I want us to lean into. Leave these places, strategize if you can't leave now. And, but the other thing I'd say, is have these conversations because when I was writing my book, one of the, the data points that I found over 60% of black women would leave their current employer without actually of having a conversation with their manager about some of the things that they need. And so uh, let's not be cautious about our careers, like have those hard conversations and either one of two or think one of two things are going to happen. Either you're going to get what you want or you're going to hear the answer to remind you, hey, I got to strategize my way out of here, right? Mm -hmm. so I can get closer to what I want. So let's take our careers by the by the range and make sure that we're going after what we say we want. Mm, preach. Um, so 
Earlier, you mentioned, um, you kind of hinted at imposter syndrome a little bit. You did mention, you know, sometimes we leave our jobs without even having the conversations that we probably should. Um, And I wonder if some of that is related to imposter syndrome. Maybe you think like, they're not going to do this. I'm, you know, they don't see that. They don't see my worth or, and we have to kind of make them see our worth. So my question for you is how, how the heck do you deal with imposter syndrome? What advice do you have for um, women out there dealing with that? Yeah, it's tough. It it definitely is tough, especially if you are the only one uh, in the room, you know, only black woman or if there are none and you're kind of pushing or shaking the room a little bit. But what I'd say is that we have two options. You have the option to have an empire state of mind or an enemy state of mind. And I would say now we don't fear imposter syndrome. They can't go where we're headed. So we got to, for those who are in church, we got to rebuke that imposter syndrome and move on. Okay. (laughs) Because we just don't have time anymore. Like, listen, at one point in time, Marquita, the um, black women were serving at the table. Now we're on the vice presidential VP list. Imagine, okay? So we get, we're in these spaces now, we're at the table. And so let's just ask, let's go for it. Let's let's push all that other stuff aside because again, we've allowed, that's part of systemic racism for us to question ourselves at, at, at the drop of any dime. And yes, there are systems that want us to do that. But if we're talking about these things and saying, hey, surround yourself with a squad of people who remind you who you are, you know, if you need the affirmations, whatever works for you. But our time is now. And so again, imposter syndrome, it can't go where we're headed. We're Ooh. in new rules. Ooh, okay. Drops mic. I love it. It cannot go where we're headed. Um, so let's talk about salary transparency. Um, I don't know. I'm sure you've followed a lot of the headlines in recent months. And um, a lot of women have specifically black women have come forward and, you know, are being much more open about um, different practices going on at different companies mm-hmm. and salaries mm-hmm. have come up a lot. And um, my question for you is, what do you think about salary transparency? Do you think that we should be telling, you know, our colleagues and anyone within an earshot how much we're making? I I do believe that because I yeah. think that's the only way we're going to know if we're being paid fairly, right? You know, mm-hmm. I, I think about the times when I was in, even now, um, I recently found out that um, one company was going to pay me X amount of dollars and they said, oh, you know what? Somebody just was here, you know, a white woman, she spoke here, you know, last week and she raved about your book, blah, blah, blah. And I actually, I didn't know her that well, but I went and I slid into her DMs and I said to her, you know, I, I hate to have to do this, even though I didn't really. I said, <laughs> both, you know, you just spoke here last week. I'm getting ready to speak here. I think I'm getting underpaid. You know, would you mind telling me how much they paid you? And she was very honest and transparent and they were underpaying me by almost 50%. And do you you mind me asking the specifics? How much did they offer you and how much did um, you end up getting? Well, originally I was supposed to get $10,000 side chat. And I even say that out loud because I know as black women, we're not supposed to tell our business, right? But the only way you're going to know is if, so then they offer me even, I probably, I I probably did the math wrong. Then they wanted to offer me $2,000. And uh, yes. Sorry. This might be just the audio, but please note, I just shifted very uncomfortably in my seat. I just, (laughs) that's insane. I just, I can't, that's, yeah. I had 
back to them. And I had to lean into my courage because once I found out what she was making and then they had dropped because they're like, oh, well, now we're in a virtual environment. So blah, blah, blah. And I said, yeah, but I'm giving the same talk. Right. So I went back, <laughs> went yeah. back to them and I said, actually, um, I was doing some investigation and I found that you've been paying your other speakers X. And I said, so for in this environment, I can't um, take this um, speaking engagement because you know what? The next black woman, you're going to try to pay her that too. And then they changed their mind and said, no, we really want you. And they were able to give me what I was worth, but you got to, got to go into it. Right. But I was nervous as heck. (laughs) I'm sure. I'm sure. And it sounds like this is also, you know, granted you've had to do these things before, but this is still a new territory for you. Right. Like, um, do you mind me asking because you're in a position now where you are setting your own rates and you're, uh, you know, you're worried about your own insurance. And I think there are a lot of women out there who want to do uh, either what you're doing or at least find a way to be more independently, you know, employed. So do you mind sharing, like, what, has there been a large salary increase or has there been a decrease from the time you were working at that cushy corporate job to where you are right now? Yeah, it's been, uh, well, I'll say um, prior to the book coming out, it was cobbling things together. And that's Mm -hmm. a parent as I can be, right? Um, Cobbling things together, but I did have my sanity. And so you have to decide what matters most. I was not, you know, I was making six figures plus and I was down to maybe $40,000, right? Mm -hmm. I live in New York City. So, um, you know, so I really had to cobble some some things together. But eventually, um, once I started asking for more, negotiating my salaries, not doing a bunch of things for free unless I really feel that that's going to move the needle forward for Black women in the workplace, once I started to set boundaries, I now can thankfully say I made I make more money now than I made in my six-figure-plus job. Good. Good job. Congrats. Um, I mean, I say that like, sis. <laughs> like, good. I... I love hearing that. I think, um, of course, like just even with this podcast, it's called Unbossed. So I do, I love, and I'm, I'm personally inspired by stories like that and, and seeing women do for themselves, you know, what so many, so many women try to do. And I mean, it's hard. It's not easy. You know, I'm sure that 40, (laughs) that 40,000 salary in New York was not, was not hitting it for a little while. Um, (laughs) It was not hitting it at all. Not hitting it. Um, and what I want to also know from you, because um, I think oftentimes, like you kind of hinted at, the person holding you back is you. You know, you do have to find that courage sometimes to step into these spaces uh, and ask for more and, you know, all of that. I, what I want to know is um, what what do you see for the future of Black women um, in terms of work and in terms of, uh, you know, where we are in this moment right now, do you think us asking for more, you know, in 2021, 2022, in the future, do you think we're going to finally start getting what we demand or what are your thoughts? Yeah, I'm really optimistic. Again, you know, companies are making commitments to us right now. They're doing the pay equity, the transparency, you know, Uh, audits and what have you. And I think as long as we hold people accountable to our development, to our success, yes, but it's also coupled with us asking because you know what's hecka powerful is if all Black women are asking for more. They can't deny us. They can't stop us. But when they only hear one or two doing it, they're like, "Mm." but if we're all doing it, like, you know, a choir asking for what we want, I feel like that's what's going to 
close the wage gap. And, and the other thing is we have to do it for the next generation. You know, if we're asking for more, then it makes it very it makes it easier for them to come in and ask for what they want to. And so let's think about it's bigger than just our paycheck, but this is closing the wealth gap. Mm. Um, Minda, um, your book anniversary is coming up this month, I believe, just a few days after um, Black Women's Equal Pay Day. What is that? August 20th. Yeah. Um, can you first kind of just tell me about the journey of, you know, this major thing that you did um, from the time you decided to sit down and write a book to the time you got it published? What were some challenges that you kind of hit along the way? Man. And congrats. Congratulations. Thank thank you. Um, And thank you to everyone who has purchased the the memo and thank you for your support. It really Mm -hmm. means much. Uh, You know, for me, just the other day, literally two days ago, I sat on my bed and I, I cried tears of joy because I couldn't believe that I was here in this space and um, how it's helping change the conversation, right? Not just me, but success is not a solo sport. And it's all of us having these larger conversations. And when my agent went to go shop the memo around, four out of five major publishers said there was no audience for this book, that these things weren't happening. These are isolated situations and that you're not famous. You don't have a lot of followers. And at the time I didn't. this will never work. And even coming out of a situation where you're a black woman in the workplace and people dismiss your experience. And then to hear that from the publishing world, um, it was a lot, but I knew that this book needed to get out into the world. And and I just want to remind people that sometimes all you need is one, four out of five said no, but one publisher, Hachette, Seal Press said yes. And the book did become a best-selling book and it's still in the top books for women in business. And so I couldn't have done that by myself. And so I thank you because now a book, they, they didn't think it was going to do well because there hadn't been one like it on the mm-hmm. show by a black woman. And so now this opens up the door for other black women to write business books and career books. So for me, I'm just overjoyed that I can say not just for me, but for the next generation and current generations for women who have other stories to tell. I love it. And also, um, <laughs> I just obviously I'm going to relate you getting that one yes out of how many publishers? Five in total. Um, I'm obviously I'm going to relate it back to that stable situation where you're trying to ride that horse. <laughs> so clearly you're the same woman. You've always been about this life, and I appreciate that. I love it. Um, also, uh, a little birdie told me that you have another book coming. Can you talk? Can you talk about that a little bit? I'm actually. In, in the throes of writing right now, uh, I actually am writing, I closed a two, a two, two book deal. So I'm writing two new books right now <laughs> and uh, I'm so excited about it. And one of them is um, inspired by Erica Badu's Bag Lady. Um, all those bags in your way, all that trauma that we experience inside the workplace that we can't really be our authentic selves when we're bagged down with all the yeah. And so uh, that'll be coming out next year, fall of 2021. And then the other book that I'm writing is the young adult version of the memo, because I think about, I needed this book when I was 13, 14, 15. That's amazing. I'm excited. And I'm very excited to read about all of that, you know, the trauma that we're carrying around. Cause uh, I got stories too. One day I'll tell them, <laughs> but, but that said, I'm, um, I'm, just so just inspired and just 
thrilled for you and this book deal and um, and just to see you continue to grow and to continue to set those speaking rates, you know, higher and higher <laughs> and you to get this bag. I, I love it. Um, so I know, um, like I was saying earlier, you got things to do. And um, I have two more questions for you. I like to ask everyone that comes onto the show, uh, what does the word unbossed mean to you? And also tell me about a woman who inspired you that is unbossed. This woman could be dead, alive, or fictitious. Uh, I love that question. And I'm a big fan of your podcast. So I'm like, I'm answering this question, but thank you. It's really about um, doing it your way. And I, I'm so glad I had the kind of struggle path for it because mm-hmm. I was able to do it the way I wanted to do it. And I, you know, don't owe anybody anything other than God. And so I, I'm <laughs> very mm-hmm. happy um, to be able to say that because I know a lot of other people are not in that position, no right way or wrong way. But for me, I've been able to do it my way. And I would say Shirley Chisholm because she was talking about bring that seat when people <laughs> count you out. And she, I mean, over my shoulder, you can't see it, but I have this big portrait of Shirley Chisholm because she was unbought and unbossed. Yes. Amen. <laughs> Obviously, I'm a fan of that. Obviously, I'm a fan of that pick. So <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, and also for everyone who wants to keep track of all the amazing things that you're doing and where you'll be speaking at next, what Zoom you'll be pulling up to next, how can they learn more about that? Yeah, pull up on a Zoom, uh, go to go to hearts.com and join the squad and, and all of that information will be there. Perfect. Thank you, Minda. Thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> be sure to listen, download, or subscribe to more episodes of Unbossed. You can find Unbossed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Apple listeners, please be sure to leave me a review and let me know what you think. Be kind, but be critical. That's okay, too. Don't forget to hit me up on social at Marquita underscore Harris underscore. Be sure to use the hashtag Unboss Podcast. Appreciate you. Thanks, guys.